everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Teardown. My name is Jeff Buck. I'm along with my coworker Jordan Bianchi. And uh, man, it's only two weeks before the Daytona 500 coming up so fast here. And uh, as we speak right now, recording this, Jordan is already at Daytona. The uh, Rolex 24 is ongoing. By the time you hear this, it will be over. But Jordan, uh, I saw you post a picture this morning of French fries, coffee, croissants, uh, Cheerios. Cheerios. Yeah. Are you? Uh, are you? Are, are we sure we have a hundred percent Jordan mental <laughs> capacity here? You, I'm sure you're sleep deprived. I don't. I don't know how this podcast is going to go. No, I'm good. I got. Uh, I got like three hours sleep. I feel really good. I actually woke up before my alarm. I was so excited. And uh, I'll tell you what. This Rolex race has been really, really good so far. A lot of great action. And as we come down with four and a half hours left in this race, it feels like it is going to be an absolute street fight among some very good drivers with some great teams uh, this is going to be this is going to be fun all right so if it turned out later that uh by the time you guys hear this that that wasn't the case we I'm all know idiot. who to blame <laughs> cold takes exposed or whatever here for jordan bianchi but uh jordan uh in your sleep deprived state you had a good idea for today's podcast and uh what so what do you want to talk about uh as we have just two podcasts left before we're talking about what happened in the daytona 500 yeah, what I thought would be nice is to kind of look at what we think is going to be the overarching storylines of the season. Not predictions, not who we think is going to win the championship or make the Final Four or win what races, but what do we think are going to be the predominant storylines that we're going to talk about throughout the course of the season. And when the season concludes, we're going to look back and go, yeah, those were the top stories of the year. And that's what we're going to discuss today. And so let's, before we talk about what 2021 will bring, let's why don't we talk about what we think would have qualified for that in 2020? So like for me, I'm, I mean, and we might be exactly on the same page here, but when you say the overarching storylines, I'm thinking, okay, you know, Harvick and Hamlin dominant season, Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, you know, I don't, I don't know if this is overarching, but Chase Elliott, um, has a solid season, ends up winning his first title. Um, the obviously COVID and how that affected everything, all the new stuff, the schedule changes, um, all that thing. So are, are those the kind of storylines you're talking about here? Exactly. Yeah, COVID, how that impacted the season. Uh, honestly, I would, I would throw the schedule on there, both in ret- you know how the 2020 schedule evolved as we kind of moved along through the course of the season, and then how the 2021 schedule came together. And I would also include free agency. Um, there were some really big happenings in free agency, and I think the things we're talking about now are probably going to sound very familiar in a little bit because I think we're going to be talking about them again. Um, but those would be the, some other storylines that I think we, we take away from the 2020 season. All right, so why don't you kick us off here? We each came up with three, and we compared notes to make sure we didn't overlap here. But that's all we've talked about. We haven't really talked about our reasoning and stuff. So why don't you kick us off with your first uh, prediction for what will be a big storyline in 2021? I think it's already started, and, and it's free agency. And if you look at the guys that are in their last year of their contracts, we've got Kurt Busch, Eric Almarola, Matt D., Brad Keselowski, Alex Bowman, Martin Truex Jr., Denny Hamlin. Those guys represent Chip Ganassi Racing, Stuart Haas Racing, Team Penske, Hendrick Motorsports, Joe Gibbs Racing. Those are the biggest teams in this sport, and there's potential openings at, at those with those teams and this is going to be something we're going to hear a lot of this year for a lot of different reasons some of these guys Truex and Hamlin are very much in their prime still but they're kind of 
getting up there in age where they're kind of maybe starting to kind of slide out of their prime a little bit. And there's some young guys on this list as well. So this is going to be something you're going to hear a lot of throughout the course of the year, especially with, with sponsorship, with maybe new teams coming in. I don't know how this isn't going to be one of those things that we're talking about from Daytona throughout the course of the year, much like it was in 2020. Yeah, you know, last year we went into the season going, this is going to be the silly season of all silly seasons because of the amount of free agents. And the way it worked out, I mean, with the, with the economy going down and stuff, and, you know, you see guys like Keselowski who had thought he was going to maybe cash in. He ends up going back to Penske. You know, he thought, okay, well, what's Matt Benedetto going to do? You know, he ends up going back to the same team. Kyle Larson was the big name, and obviously we know his entire saga, and he kind of ended up where we thought he might end up in the end, but it wasn't mm-hmm. how we thought it would be. So maybe with all the gyro movement that we expected, you know, Ryan Blaney re-signing last year to kick things off, obviously as well, that, that you know, maybe, maybe this is the year where we see a lot of movement rather than guys going back to their same teams that are predicted spots. Um, so that could definitely be something. Yeah, I would agree. And I think the big domino there is the guy you mentioned is, is Brad Keselowski. Um, he resigned you know, with Team Penske on a one-year deal. I think it's fair to say that's not what Brad wanted uh, in this latest negotiation. And it's going to be interesting to see what he does. He's, what, 37 years old, very much entering his prime years. Um, if you're a team out there who needs a star driver, who needs a winner, uh, are you willing to pay for a guy like Brad Keselowski to get in your car? What is Team Penske willing to pay to keep Brad Keselowski in their car? And uh, to me, that's really going to be the big piece of this puzzle a- as we move through the year. So my first one, um, I'm going to say uh, something that people are talking about a lot, obviously, is um, 2311 racing. You know, Michael Jordan being a team owner. And um, I think what, what it's going to take, obviously, to make that a year-long storyline is that they're going to have to be competitive. Um, but I think they will be. And so when you have, uh, you know, a Michael Jordan owned NASCAR team um, that is getting top tens and maybe challenging for a few wins, um, I, I'm still not ready to go out and predict they're going to win in year one. But I think they can they can have a shot. You know, they're, they're obviously getting cars uh, and bodies from Joe Gibbs Racing. So, um, you know, that's they're going to have some some great stuff. Uh, it's just a matter of putting together a team in year one. Um, and I also think. You know the the fact that Bubba Wallace, who obviously you know it, it really has the uh, the mainstream sports fan or mainstream media beyond our uh, this sport uh, their their attention. Um, you know he's a big name. Um, everything that happened last year, even the the president tweeting about him, not in a positive way. But um, and then you go back to even like the the Daytona 500 where uh, he had a chance to win there. Um, that really, I mean, he got so many fans after that and got people excited about him. And I think so that just shows you if, if, if they're going to run well, you know, you could have a lot of people jumping on board the Bubba bandwagon in addition to the sponsors that already have. I mean, people forget last year that even with Richard Petty Motorsports, which I don't think is really playoff caliber equipment, he was 19th in points uh, after the first race of the Michigan doubleheader. And, I mean, he was in playoff contention if things – fell a certain way or you know if he was able to stay up there and other guys fell back I mean he was he was he had a shot at least uh to try to make that field on points or at least was in the conversation he wasn't off the page I guess of when they showed you know who was in contention he was there so if he's able to to run well and 2311 is able to give him uh you know good equipment like we anticipate you know I think he'll 
he'll be in playoff contention, so that'll be a story all year long. I agree with that. I mean, anytime you've got Michael Jordan coning a NASCAR team, that, that's going to be something we talk about, you know, especially if Michael can get to the racetrack and is there and has a presence. And then there's also the aspect of Denny Hamlin is the other co-owner of that team. You know, does does this impact Denny at all? Denny has talked about this. You know, he, he knows he's going to get the questions if, the, you know, he has a bad race or anything. People are going to say, are, you know, are, are you distracted? But that is going to be something to see is how, how Denny Hamlin handles this new role. This is something he is not experience before um, how that team goes along and if they have success we know that they have sold out all of their sponsorship for this year so they're already kind of looking ahead a little bit to 2022 um, you know is this a team that expands eventually those whispers are out there that they, they have you know Hamlin has been very open saying you know we would eventually like to add a second car um, if the sponsorship materializes, do they add a second car? Who's that driver? So I think this all kind of fits together of, of this team and how they're going to be a major storyline throughout the year. Jordan, what is your second predicted storyline? So mine actually kind of fits with yours a little bit. It goes hand in glove. And I think NASCAR is really on an upswing. I, I think NASCAR is positioned for an upswing. Chase Elliott is its most popular driver. He's also the defending champion. That's a really rare position for NASCAR. When Jimmy Johnson was winning championships, he was not the most popular driver. Um, Jeff Gordon, when he won his last championship in 2001, wasn't NASCAR's most popular driver. Tony Stewart, maybe in 2011, you know, was among the most popular, but he wasn't the most popular. I think with Chase Elliott as the champion, NASCAR is well positioned to kind of maybe take that next step. Now, obviously, what Chase lacks is kind of that mainstream media appeal. You know, he's not a Dale Earnhardt Jr. He's not a Jeff Gordon. He's not a household name. But we're seeing more of Chase. We're seeing more personality, more, more charisma from him, a little bit more of a, a swagger, if you will. I, I think if you factor in that, plus I think how the schedule lays out this year with really some exciting races. And I, and I look at it and, you know, remember that summer stretch we'd always have? We'd have two races at Pocono. We'd have races at Kentucky and Indianapolis. And it just kind of felt like through the summer it was kind of, doldrums sometimes mm -hmm. sure. I, I looked at it I, I don't think that's the case anymore i think there's some really exciting races road america indie road course um you know pocono's on a single weekend uh, again a doubleheader weekend um i think nascar's got some really young marketable drivers the racing is going to be better or has been better and it, i think it's going to continue to be good I, I think nascar is positioned to kind of continue uh it's i don't want to say resurgence because that I don't know if that's the right word, but I do feel like NASCAR is poised to kind of get an uptick here in popularity. Well, can you define that for me? Because I'm not sure I, I totally agree. Uh, I, know yeah. I, 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 I would agree that, you know, there's some pieces there to, to make things more exciting. But, you know, maybe I'm, I'm just sort of burned out at this point by, you know, people saying, hey, look, this is going to, you know, NASCAR is sure. going to get back to this or it's going to the ratings are going to go up or the attendance is going to go up because, it's sort of like every time we think something's going to come along to, mm -hmm. to change that, it doesn't really happen. I, I could see that, you know, there's some appeal there, but I don't. What's your definition of, you know, uh, an uptick? No, that, that's a fair question. And I was thinking about this, too. And I don't think we can measure off attendance just because obviously with COVID, you know, some tracks you can't have fans. There's always there's going to be a limited capacity, at least through the early part of the season. I think it's going to be really television ratings. I, I think I don't think it's going to be, you know, these booming, whopping numbers. And you're like, oh, my goodness. But I do think when you have a schedule that lends itself to better racing on a week to week basis, you know, it's not a well, that race was really good. I'm going to tune in next week. And then you're seeing something that isn't very good. 
I, I think when you have a schedule that lays out where it's competitive and it's good and you've got personalities that, that kind of draw people in, I think you're going to I, – I wouldn't be surprised to see the ratings go up a little bit, and that's kind of what I'm basing this off of. Yeah. I, I think uh, there's still a lot more work to be done. Now, I, I – Oh, for sure. You know, there, like you said, all the elements are there. I certainly think that current NASCAR fans are going to enjoy this year more yeah. than the past. I'm not sure I buy the – Fox Sports campaign best season ever. Um, you know, I, I think that's maybe going a little too far. But you know, I think it, there's certainly some promise there. I'm just uh, a little bit hesitant to, you know, say, oh, this is going to happen and people are going to do this because I, I, it's just based on experience. It, every time yeah. someone said, you know, oh, Danica Patrick's coming to NASCAR, this is going to make it <laughs> things huge, and then the ratings keep going down, or you know, just stuff like that. I mean. Chase Elliott being champion so far uh, to me, you know, hasn't really moved the needle outside of NASCAR. But um, you know, if he keeps winning, obviously people will get more on the bandwagon. And and again with yeah. Bubba and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I mean, you could have some elements there. Yeah, we'll see. I, I think the pieces are there, and I think I think the difference with Danica is. I don't know. I think is it fair? To, I mean, I never really thought she was ready to win or capable of winning in, in the NASCAR Cup Series. I just no, never I saw agree. It. I, mean, I agree. And I, and I look at Bubba Wallace. He, I think Bubba in the right situation, and I think he's in the right situation, can win a race. Now that that's a brand new team, but if Bubba can break through and, and get a win and, and have some good runs and make the playoffs, that that's going to be huge. We we've seen he's kind of that. He might be that next crossover NASCAR star, and if he starts having on track success, which he's very capable of doing with Michael Jordan as your team owner, that 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 is a big potential there. No, I agree. It's it's a total game changer if uh, if Bubba wins a race. I mean, national media wise, that's that's going to get a lot of attention. Um, now, my second one is uh, my, the storyline is going to be Kyle Busch's return to relevance. Uh, I think Kyle Busch is going to have a rebound year. If you look at the last time that he had a sort of a crappy season, especially by his standards, one win. Uh, the next season. He came out. Of course, he broke his leg at the start of the next season. But then he um, ends up winning five races and the championship um, in only 25 races, uh, the injury-shortened season. So um, he came back uh, sort of with a vengeance. And now, of course, he has a new crew chief in Ben Bishore. Don't know how that's going to go. But uh, you just would think that Kyle Busch, with all his talent, with all his ability, with all the resources at Joe Gibbs Racing, he's not going to have two bad seasons in a row um i just think he's going to rebound and if he does rebound and and is in contention in any way regularly on a weekly basis that means we're going to see the kyle again who is you know charming and funny when he wins and salty and you know when he when he doesn't win uh he's going to be interviewed a lot more he's going to give us more uh quotes and you know the kind of quotes that can go on t-shirts and memes and Everything that comes along with Kyle Busch, which means that he will be another storyline. So uh, I just think that that's uh, we're in store for that this year. I, I I can't see him being quiet again. No, and I think you're right. I mean, we we've seen these kind of years from Kyle before, um, where you know he's had a, a a bad year by his standards. You know, wins just one race, really is kind of a you know it seems like everything that can go wrong went wrong, and then he you know the next year he comes back and has a really successful year. Um, the question for me is, as you mentioned, it is how does he mesh with his new crew chief? Uh, it, it should be a rather seamless transition. They, they've worked together in the past. 
Ben is has some experience on the cup side of, of being a crew chief as a fill-in. He's done very well on the Xfinity side of things. And a lot of it, I think, is going to be dictated by Joe Gibbs Racing and Toyota and where they're at. Um, we know Denny Hamlin had a lot of success last year, but he was really kind of the anomaly there uh, within that team. And I think Kyle's going to be back in a big way. Kyle is way too good of a driver. You, you figure Joe Gibbs Racing is going to be better overall as an organization. And, I mean, I think it's fair to say, I mean, I, I mean, Kyle's going to win, what, three, four, five races and, and certainly be in the mix? Is that unreasonable to think that? No, I, I mean, that's that's what I – how can you expect anything less from, from Kyle Busch? I mean, anything less than that's a disappointment each year for him, right? So yeah. um, I think that you have to put that almost as like a baseline for him. I mean, it's this is – we're talking about one of the most raw, talented – drivers to Mm -hmm. ever get in a car so um i certainly even with this rules package that you know can can be limiting for guys with talent i guess um i still think that that he can get it done so i have a question for you about him too um do you think there's a motivation there within him to say to prove people hey adam stevens wasn't the you know he was adam stevens was part of the equation of why they won the championship but is there a motivation there uh, on Kyle Busch and saying, hey, I can win with different crew chiefs. It's not just I can win with this one crew chief. I don't think so. I mean, if there is, I I feel like it's that, you know, what what drives Kyle is he wants to be the best, like, ever kind of thing, right? And, and I think he knows that his lack of championships at this point uh, might take him out of the, the GOAT conversation, at, at least in terms of that. But, you know, he wants to break all sorts of records you know he wants to win at every track he's ever raced at he wants to you know do all these things that you know are just eye-popping wow stats and you know he's not going to be he's really never going to be truly happy unless he wins every race essentially i mean he he really demands that much out of himself so you know does he have you know to prove that it's not the crew chief i mean i think he has you know enough self-confidence already where he's like it's not the crew chief it's me i just need some a good crew chief to give me what i need um not to put words in his mouth i just think that's his mentality um i think anything you throw at him that could make a chip on his shoulder though uh will help drive him and motivate him so if you want to tell him that uh, i'm sure he'd certainly find motivation (laughs) in it you know i'm not telling him that. i'll let you do that okay (laughs) <laughs> um so yes are we on to uh your third one now we are on to my third and to me it's it's something we talked about last year a lot and to me it's gonna be the same thing this year is going to be the schedule both in the present tense of what tracks are we going to this year obviously with covid going on um there's some uncertainty of whether you can race at certain tracks in certain states um i think sonoma in june is one of those tracks that people are looking at and saying you know, that, that's an, an area of the country where things are locked down. And, you know, pro sports teams aren't able to to have games there. Can NASCAR have a race in that part of the country? They didn't race there last year. So, you know, as we move through the course of the season, the, um, and if this virus continues at its, its clip and there's, there's the vaccines aren't effective or there's not enough vaccines out there, um, what does that mean for the, the schedule? Um, how does that change? We, we saw NASCAR be very flexible and, and adaptable to the, the environment last year, and I think they did a very good job with that. They may have to do that again. And on the same tone, 
um, looking ahead to 2022. You know, a year ago at this time, um, if I would have said to you, Jeff, hey, you know what's going to happen? Fontana is going to be a short track. <laughs> um, yeah. There's going to be a dirt race at Bristol. I mean, you would have called me crazy, right? Oh, absolutely. Well, I, I mean, I call you crazy yeah. pretty much every day. But yes, I don't think that would have been different. <laughs> I, I would have called you crazier, perhaps. Yes. Yeah. So I, I guess, you know, thinking about that is, you know, if the, the virus kind of subsides and, and we get more of a return to normalcy, that's going to open up the playbook for NASCAR even more as they look ahead to the schedule. And NASCAR is very, very open. They want to try different things, different kinds of tracks, different places of the country that maybe aren't maybe you wouldn't think about before. And we, we've seen that already in 2021 with how they've laid out the schedule. And I think there's a very good chance we're going to see that in 2022. So to me, that's very intriguing of, of what that schedule looks like uh, a year from now. No, I agree. And, you know, they've already remade it and introduced a lot of new markets and venues, at, which always injects some life into it. I mean, you just go back to, I guess it was 2011, Kentucky's first cup race, you know, sold out to the point where people couldn't even make it into the venue, which obviously wasn't ideal, but people parking their car in the you know, middle of the road and walking to the track and, and, uh, you know, people missed it and over a hundred thousand people or whatever. Uh, that's the excitement that NASCAR going to new markets can generate. So, um, you know, you have new markets this year, potentially more new markets in the future, a new track like Fontana, things like that, that, that could be upcoming. Um, you know, yeah. And, and, you know, yes, I think, Obviously, like you said, uh, there, there could be some hiccups this year until everybody's vaccinated and stuff. Uh, you know, you don't know how travel is going to go to a place like California. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely going to be a storyline throughout the year. So I think, you know, you certainly nailed it on, the, on that prediction front. Oh, thank you. You actually gave me credit for once. So uh, mine is going to be <laughs> my third one is going to be a no brainer as well, Jordan. Uh, I like how you just move right over past that. <laughs> um, <laughs> my mine is like the the no brainer of no brainers, which is that um, the new car, the development of the new car, the next gen car is going to be a story all year long. They're going to be testing for it. There's going to be developing it. The storyline, you know, as as people as it starts to roll out, and going along with that, the development of the new car and the new car's arrival is that the current car. Um, is going to be on its way out. So as we get to the playoffs, you know, which, which teams are going to, and this is what we thought would be a storyline last year, but which teams are going to be saying, okay, we'll keep building current generation cars for the playoffs to win the championship this year. Which teams are going to be like, you know what? We're going to ride it out with our existing inventory. We're not going to spend extra money and resource to do this. We'll, we'll concentrate on you know, the next gen car now, uh, and playoff drivers, you know, Hey, you're in the playoffs. Congrats. We don't really think you have necessarily, you know, a chance to win the title. So we're just not gonna, we're not going to give you some brand new equipment here. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what the balance is there. Right. So, um, anyway, I, I just think obviously that we'll be talking about that all year long. It's not really some great insight that you got from me here on this podcast. Cause I think <laughs> it's pretty much super, super obvious. That's why I saved it for last, but I still think it's going to be reality. No, I think you touched on a lot of great points. And, you know, it's going to be as the season moves along. If you're an organization that is just is underwhelming and not having a good year, when do you kind of pull the plug on 2021 and say, you know what, this year's a wash. 
whatever happens the rest of the year, whatever, screw it. We're focusing on 2022 and just getting ourselves ready for that. That's a real possibility, you know, if you're one of those teams. Um, it's also going to be interesting, too, when this new car hits the track because uh, and I say multiple new cars hit the track because we, we saw at Charlotte there was two, there was a, a two-car test. Those cars didn't run together. Um, we're going to see the manufacturers each have a car on the track here sometime this spring. They're going to start running together. We're going to really kind of get an idea of what this car is. And we, we've heard the comments, and NASCAR's been very candid about this and that they weren't really satisfied with how the test went on the Charlotte Oval and they wanted to, to make some improvements there. Let's see what happens on that front. And I, and I think a, a byproduct of this, and we've, we've talked about this, is that this new car is being designed as a way to be in an, a, a, a cheaper way to, for teams to run, to run and operate, and that's opening up the point of entry where there's more owners interested in coming into the Cup Series than before. And, you know, we've, you know, a year ago, if you would have said, hey, Michael Jordan's going to co-own a team. Oh, and by the way, Pitbull is going to, you know, be a partner in a team. You would have been like, what? Come on. What, really? You should be drug tested. But that's where we're at right now. So, you know, who knows what that means um, as we've seen, you know, people out there are really interested in, in owning a NASCAR team right now. And you, you can, that's reflected in the cost of the charters. I'm curious how this all comes together and whether this continues to feel... Uh, where NASCAR is just is is getting a, a divergent group of owners coming in, and team owners are feeling like we're starting to save some money in, in our pocketbook. Well, that's that's a good point. I you know here's I'm giving you credit here, Jordan. Um, Aww. <laughs> that's the, you make some great points there. One more thing to think about. I, I don't have anything to add to what you said. I think you're right on. But one more thing to think about as you were talking there. Um, I wonder if toward the end of this year, as teams are starting to um, unload some of their inventory. For instance, you know, let, let's say you have, um, you know, uh, Hendrick Motorsports and, and a Gibbs and Stuart Haas and stuff like that. Are, are they going to be like, hey, look, I mean, now we really have no use for our equipment. And it's not old. You know, it's not like three-year-old Stuart Haas cars that we're passing around along to these lower teams or selling to these lower teams, you know, quote, alliance partners or whatever. But these are cars that are like, Hey, we've only used them a couple times. We used them this year for a couple races. Now we don't need them anymore. We need to offload our inventory. Here you go. I wonder if that'll like, you know, help a team sort of rise up toward the end of the year, like a, you know, um, a spire type team or whatever, even sure. more, um, where they're like, hey, now you're you're getting even more current stuff. Um, you know, it's something to again watch. You know, toward the end of the year, but I think you could see a, a performance change in some of these teams. Uh, this fall um, it could get people sort of excited about what they're doing. So something to think yeah, about. It, it, it's interesting. And it's going to be what do the, what happens with this in inventory? Does it go to the ARCA series like we, we've seen in the past where, you know, next generation cars are kind of phased down? It, it, there's going to be a lot of excess inventory out there and there's going to be there's the, there's a purpose for this. What is that purpose? Yeah, it's going to be fascinating if like uh, and again, I don't know how it would work, but like, you know, uh, oh, it's. Hey, Bill McAnally in, in Arca West. Uh, hey, this was mm -hmm. Chase Elliott's road course car that he won with last year. And now, you know, it's like, wow, yeah. this is a pretty good stuff here, you know? Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so Jordan, um, people might be surprised to know that it's almost been a year since uh, I've seen you in person. We have not seen each other since the Daytona I 500 last year yeah. uh the night of brian newman's uh wreck yeah we did a podcast there said bye wow and, <laughs> and we thought we were going to see each other 
what was our like March or April? Or I think we like would have we probably gonna... seen each other at Talladega. We probably would have both covered Talladega. Yeah, Talladega. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, because God, you know we wow. split certain races up, and then some of the big races we get back together. Yep. Uh, I'm sure we would have seen each other at um, maybe like a, a Brickyard or a Daytona cutoff sure. race. Certainly, a lot of the playoff races. Certainly, the championship. Um, but yes, yeah, so now, uh, if you know, I, I want to qualify this by saying if everything goes according to plan, which in this current uh, environment you don't know. I mean, number one, one of us could get COVID, and we might not be able to see each other, uh, you know, next week or something like this. Uh, my wife is uh, over seven months pregnant, so uh, she could go into labor. Might not be able to see you. I could have flight delays or something like that. Uh, anyway, but. You're a bundle I, of optimism. I, I, I just say, say all this because I don't want to guarantee, <laughs> but the plan is right now, as we sit here recording this podcast on January 31st, that uh, next week, next Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, I will be in person with you doing our final preseason podcast, uh, talking about our predictions and things for the year. And um, we will be in person, uh, face-to-face once again. Are you excited? I am very excited. I, I, you mentioned to me that earlier this week that it had been a year since we've seen each other, and I hadn't thought about it, and you're right. It's been forever. Uh, is it okay if I give you a hug, or does that violate social distancing no, guidelines? I, no, I would not be okay with that, because what if you have COVID, and then wow. you pass the COVID uh, through the hug, and then I, I fly, I've flown all the way to Florida from Denver, and then I have to miss the Daytona 500 because I got a hug from covid stricken jordan bianchi not covid stricken now okay i'm just gonna make that clear but just in case who knows what you're picking up there at the rolex so you can give me an don't remind me about that (laughs) give me an elbow bump and uh wear your wear your athletic branded mask um yes all right that's that's what i'll be wearing so i look forward to seeing your smiling face underneath your mask okay fair enough fair enough we'll have to probably (laughs) remove the masks for the podcast part but yes yeah Anyway, so everybody, that's the plan. Uh, we, we will be back together the next two weeks in person, uh, the preseason podcast, and then Daytona 500 podcast two weeks from today. Very excited about that. Um, man, I can't believe the season wow. it's is crazy. really here. I mean, Jordan can because he's already at a racetrack. But um, anyway, yes. So exciting stuff to come here on the teardown. We, uh, we appreciate you as listening for always, and we will talk to you in person next week on The Teardown.